our series on adventures in faith and walking through the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus when he was in prison in Rome around the late 50s, early 60s AD. And he writes to a church that is uh, facing persecution. If you want to read about that persecution, you can check it out in the book of Acts. It's actually a little bit funny when you read it. So go ahead and check that out. It's the book of Acts when Paul visits the city of Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And we've been walking through this theme of adventures in faith, the themes of chosen, of choice, of conflict, of commitment, of chase, and today's conclusion. And Paul tells the church in Ephesus and tells the church here today how to finish well. And so we'll be walking through this text together here. He starts off with these words, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's an odd phrase when you think about it, right? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because imagine if it said this, Finally, be strong in Jason and in his mighty power. You'd be like, that's not a whole lot of help. Really, really is not. If I was helping you move, that might be good help. Other than that, it's not a whole lot of help. So I want to ask you, who are the strongest people that you know? Think of the strongest person that you know. I remember when uh, my wife and I, we, we moved from St. Louis to Southern California for, my, for our first call. And it was me and Heather, and Emma was one year old. She had just turned one the day we moved in, I think. I think it was that day. Pretty close to it. And uh, I asked the church, I'm like, we're going to need some help moving in. Can you send a couple people to, to help us move in? And they said, we're, we're going to send you a ton of people. And we, I get there, and they sent one person. I'm like, this is a bad start. And this guy, he, he was the scariest looking dude I've ever met. <laughs> He was like, no hair, was missing some teeth, looked like a block, right? And uh, like, well, okay, let's meet him, let's do this. Open up the back of the, the moving van, and the dryer's sitting right there. I'm thinking, okay, gotta get the dolly. The guy walks up and goes, I got this. Picks up the dryer by himself, turns it around, and walks in the house. I'm like, we're good. They said one dude, and we only need one dude. We are set, right? Think of the strongest person you know. Some of you thought of someone big, and others of you thought of someone strong. You thought of someone who endured something you can't possibly imagine and came through on the other side. You thought of someone who went through a super challenging time in life, and they came through it praising Jesus, and you thought to yourself, I don't understand how they do that. We live in a valley that's desperate for strength, endurance, uh, skills, be a better skier, be a better hiker, biker, backpacker, whatever it might be. And in our text for today, the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you about true strength and about how to get it. Are you ready? It's not just any type of strength. The strength that Paul offers for us today is the strength 
that is so incredible that not even hell can stand against it. Great for that type of story. That's what Paul's talking about today. He continues with verse 11. He says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Apostle Paul said, I'm not talking about giving you strength to stand against that type of power. And to start that off, I need to condition it with these, this phrase here. Life, you may have heard this before, life is not fair. You heard that before? Usually from your parent, right? Your mom or dad, well, life's not fair, right? God, yeah, figure that out. Thank you so much. And we use that phrase to describe how life is not fair, how life sometimes is hard, and sometimes bad things happen to you and you completely ruined all of it, right? And sometimes bad things happen to you and you didn't do anything to deserve it. And some will say, well, gosh, you know, life's, life's not fair, and that's a curse. But there's a blessing side to it. Life isn't fair, and that's a good thing. Because as followers of Jesus, we receive one and we worship one who died on a cross for you. To give you the free gift of his forgiveness, of his love, and his grace, and his power. Not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, but because he's gracious and generous. So it's true. Life isn't fair. Sometimes that's a curse. But because of Jesus, it's a blessing too. But if you aren't ready for hard stuff, life gets really hard. And as followers of Jesus, sometimes we fail to acknowledge that. As followers of Jesus, sometimes we get surprised when life is hard, and we haven't put on the full armor of God. You know what it's like? It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Put on the full armor of God. Because bad stuff does happen. Every year, we send a team of people to Cuba to talk about Jesus. We put them out on the front lines of the battle. And every year, bad stuff happens to the team going to Cuba. Every single year. This year, they got stuck in Miami for two nights. Which you're like, oh, that sounds kind of cool, actually. With no luggage for two nights. Stuff like that happens every single time. The first time, you're like, oh, it's just coincidence. Second time, you're like, oh, this is weird. This time you're like, yeah, something's going on. <laughs> Put on the full armor of God. So if you showed up today, congratulations, you just gave notice that you're on the front lines. Yay! But don't be afraid. <coughs> don't be afraid. The Bible says, greater is Jesus who is in you than he who is in the world. Don't be afraid. Just gear up. 
Glad to hear it. Verse 15. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love it. After you've done everything, to stand. He doesn't say, after you've done everything, to advance, right? You're not taking the King James Version of a Bible, the big, thick one, the one with all the words in it, right? Just like, bashing people ahead with it. Don't do that. But don't retreat either. Stand. Verse 14. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. All right, get myself a belt of truth here. I think it's actually a Boba Fett belt, but we'll put it on anyway. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What do belts do? Anyone? What do belts do? They keep your pants from falling down. That's exactly right. This is a, a truism. You can write this down if you like. It's hard to do anything in life with your pants down around your ankles, right? You just can't do it. Makes it hard. The belt of truth buckle around your waist. You gotta stand firm in the truth. Get familiar with truth. There are personal experiences in the world, there are personal experiences that we have that we use to interpret this world, but there's no personal truth. There's truth, and there's not truth. It's not as if for some people there is no God, for some people there, there is a God. There's truth, and there's not truth. And then Paul says these great words with the breastplate of righteousness in place. I don't have a breastplate of righteousness, but I did one better. <laughs> There we go, a little chainmail action. Nice. Put the breastplate of righteousness in place. What's a breastplate designed to protect? Enemies designed to protect, protects your heart, protects your lungs, protects your abdomen. It protects those parts of your body that are most vulnerable and most vital. And Paul says, put the breastplate of righteousness in place. Uh, put Jesus' righteousness over your heart. When the righteousness of God is guarding you, your past can't hold you down. When the breastplate of righteousness is guarding you, your guilt is removed and your shame is covered up by the blood of Jesus. So sometimes we get those words confused. Guilt is those things that you, you've done that have broken God's law and against his will and his word. Sometimes it's those things that you do that are against God's word and his will, and it's sometimes those things that you fail to do that God commands us to do. And when that happens, we're, we're guilty. And Jesus Christ died and rose for you to remove that guilt freely and completely and wholly. Shame is a little different. Shame is those things that uh, someone has done to you, someone has sinned against you, and you carry the burden of it. Jesus Christ covers over that too. Dr. Holcomb, he writes it this way. Shame whispers lies 
that seduce you to believe that you are alone, rejected, and too stained for grace. Jesus' cross and resurrection proclaim just the opposite. Instead of whispered lies, Jesus' response to his people is singing and joy. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The righteousness of peace guards your heart. It removes guilt and covers shame. You can move forward with it. You move forward as verse 15 says this with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I didn't have anything for feet. I don't want to do for feet. Sorry about that. <laughs> but wherever you go, Jesus is with you. Wherever you go, you bring the gospel with you. And that's huge. Lots of times we pray for protection. Lord God, uh, please keep me safe. Lord God, uh, be with us while we travel. Lord Jesus, uh, help heal me or my friend, someone I love. Uh, Lord God, please be with me in my job. Help to go well. Protection prayers, daily bread prayers. It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But how many times do you pray, Lord God, make me dangerous? Lord, when I walk into a room, may evil flee. Lord, when I go to work, may it be clear that I walk in your character, that I walk in your honor, and that I walk in your grace. Lord God, don't make me safe and be dangerous. Because when you walk into a room, your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, and you bring Jesus with you. When that happens, you're going to take some arrows. Verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flamings of the evil one. This is a sad shield, but it's the best I got. Verse 7. When God makes you dangerous, you're going to take some arrows. And so God provides you with faith. Faith in his providing, faith in his mercy, faith in your place as a child in the family of God, faith in God's forgiveness for you. And this is the very opposite of what the world means when they say faith. Because when you're going through a tough time, someone might say to you, just keep the faith, man. Keep the faith, right? And what they mean is keep believing stronger, right? Keep, keep working harder, keep Keep being more and more faithful, right? Keep the faith. That's what they mean, right? God's work is just the opposite. Because a phrase like that is horrible. Keep the faith. Right? You go through a tough time? Keep the faith. Thanks. Just what I needed. It's like saying to someone who has insomnia, sleep harder. <laughs> right? If you're having a night when you can't sleep, you're laying in bed going, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. I have an early morning. I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. And you're up for the next four more hours trying hard to fall asleep. Keep the faith. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to rest in. You rest in God's gifts to you. You rest in his forgiveness. 
we rest in his grace for you. It's not something you do harder or better. It's something you rest in. When that happens, you can take the helmet of salvation, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. I do have a helmet. <laughs> All right. I remember when I first went skiing, Tom Kleinhardt said to me, he goes, you can't ski with me again until you get yourself a helmet. I think his words were, there are no brain transplants. You gotta check the noggin. But I also remember this. I remember Jan saying to me, I didn't ask you for permission, but I'm going to do it anyway for a She said, when she was going through her cancer treatment, she said, you know what? I pray for God's healing. And I know he's going to heal me. Either this life or he's going to call me home. And either way is good. That's the helmet of salvation. When you've got gear like that, you can go through anything. Because you know what? No matter what happens, God's got you. You're going to be okay. And then the only offensive weapon is this, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon listed in the whole list. And how does Paul use it? Whenever Paul walks into a situation, he wields the love of God. He brings the grace of Jesus. He brings a message of such incredible mercy and grace and power. The world has never heard of it before. It is in desperate need of it. When Paul wields a sword, it sounds like mercy and it feels like love. It's Jesus. He brings the sword of the Spirit. Is geared up. And what you may have noticed is all this gear, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the readiness of gospel of peace, all of it is facing forward. Which teaches us two things. The first is this God does not gear you up to retreat, God does not gear you up to deny him and to turn away. That's the first truth. The second truth is this. We got your back. Because when God sends you out, he never sends you out alone. Ever. We cover for one another. That's why God puts us into community. You can follow Jesus all by yourself. It, it works. You can do that. But you don't want to be by yourself. God puts us in community. And so, um, one, of our, one of our fellow soldiers is going through a tough time. Uh, a lot of you know Shelly. Um, her partner, Dan, passed away. They've been together for 15 years. Uh, and as you can imagine, it's a little hard for her. So um, we got her back. We're going to walk with her. When she cries, we're going to let her cry lots because that's what she needs to be doing right now. 
but also she's got a flower shop. And um, every year this flower shop is a big part of her, her income for the year, and she really needs to make it work. And Dan usually helps out with that, and Dan's not helping out this year. So if you could, if you could buy some flowers from Shelly, you could have her back. That'd be great. Um, it's not a store, it's a tent. And uh, you know where Alpine Bank is in Edwards? Right there, Alpine Bank, there's a pizza place that's in, what pizza place is that? Marcos, upstairs above Marcos is, is Anne's hair salon. So, so there you go, got her back too. But behind the Alpine Bank is a big tent, and that's Shelly's flower shop. You could buy some flowers from Shelly. That'd be really cool. I want to encourage you to step into the battle. I want to encourage you to pray and ask, God, where are you calling me to show amazing grace? Lord God, where are you calling me to lovingly and gently hold a friend accountable who's doing things to hurt himself or herself and those around him? Lord God, where are you calling me to risk? To take steps I've never taken before. For your kingdom. For your glory. For my joy. Where is God calling you to stand? And after you've done everything, to stay. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord God, help.